Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Klee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland Sports, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not much, man. We're about to talk about some ice, but it's so warm up here today that won't be much growing up here in Cleveland. It's actually pretty <laughs> sunny. I'm just hoping that it doesn't snow or rain tomorrow because it's opening day, the home opener for the tribe. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I did open the podcast saying this is a, a podcast about Cleveland, but we are going to open this week uh, and, and go down south uh, on 71 to Columbus because the Columbus Blue Jackets for uh, the first time in, in a very long time are finally back into the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and have a first round matchup against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Chris, we, we've talked a little bit about the Blue Jackets on and off during this NHL season, particularly when they were going on that historic uh, win streak uh, in the first half of the season. But uh, obviously they, they are a, a, a real team that that, that put together a, 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 a legitimate season and are now uh, poised for, for a playoff run. Um, what what is what are you expecting from the, this first round matchup against the Penguins? Do they have a shot to advance and possibly make a deep run to that Stanley Cup final? Well, they won. Uh, they had 108 points, 50 wins. Uh, only three teams in their conference did that, and the only team in the Western Conference to have 50 wins was the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, only four teams had 100 points in the Western Conference, so one of seven teams. Oh, excuse me, um, nine teams with 100 points overall. So, yeah, I certainly have a shot because they have the third best record in the conference. One problem, Bob, the two other best records in their conference, the Capitals and Penguins, both in their division, which means they're probably going to have to get through both those teams just to get to the conference final. It is kind of ridiculous how this bracket shook down. I think you will agree with that. But um, this this obviously is a matchup. They, They say it all the time in hockey that whoever has the hot goalkeeper tends to ride the lightning and make the run. And if you're looking at both of these teams, they both have goalkeepers that certainly are capable of winning the Stanley Cup. Let's start with Pittsburgh. Matt Murray did so last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He had a 923 save percentage. And this year, his first full season in the NHL, a 923 save percentage. So the guy has shown that he can do it for a whole season and can do it in the biggest stage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So Matt Murray for the Penguins, definitely a top goalkeeper. But then you go to Columbus and Sergei Bobrovsky, another Bob on this podcast, Bob. I'm getting kind of confused. (laughs) Uh, Led the league, led the NHL with a 9.33 save percentage. So one of the top goalkeepers in the NHL this year, statistically the top goalkeeper in the NHL. The problem with Bobrovsky is he – Doesn't have a lot of big game experience. Now, last time the Blue Jackets were in the playoffs in 2014, they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but Bobrovsky had a good tournament with a 9.08 save percentage despite losing that series 4-2 to Pittsburgh. Uh, Hopefully Columbus can get some revenge uh, this time around. Even though they don't have home ice, they still have statistically the better goalie, though Matt Murray has shown that he can play at a high level in big games. So slight edge to Pittsburgh just because of the playoff experience, but I think this is going to be a very entertaining matchup between two of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, for sure. That's um, the, the immediate draw of this first-round matchup 
is that goalie matchup. You got Bavrovsky leading the league in save percentage, as you said. Uh, I think that is what a lot of people will key in on, um, unless you know you have some fans already looking forward to a second round matchup of Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin, which is the eventual path of either this winner is probably going to go through Washington, as you said, which um, it's kind of unfortunate for, for all three of those teams, uh, you know, getting stuck in that kind of group of death area in, in that quadrant of the, the postseason. Um, so I, I think the blue jackets are certainly, you know, if they're going to win this series, uh, they are, they have to have uh, big time play from Bob Rosky. Uh not just because that's what happens uh, in, in the NHL during during the postseason runs, but uh, you're going up against a Pittsburgh Penguins team that that led the league in, in goals f- scored for per game. So Pittsburgh uh, outscores you. That is, is their mantra. Now Columbus certainly you know pulls their their weight with that. Uh, they're ranked sixth in goals scored per game, uh, but where they really hang their hat on is goals against per game. Uh, one one of the best defensive teams in the league are are Columbus combined with uh, Bob Rofsky anchoring that goal. So I think that is the the matchup to key in on Um, good news for Columbus because I I do think that Pittsburgh just with the experience with some of those stars that they have uh, they they certainly enter this matchup as the favorite just because you have two teams that are kind of on par uh, you're kind of going to defer to the, the, the team that has home home court advantage or home ice excuse me not used to talking uh, all this NHL um, and you're going to go with the team that has the experience and that's definitely the Pittsburgh Penguins but uh, good news for, for the Blue Jackets is that they're going to be missing their best defenseman uh, the Penguins will be missing their best defenseman in Chris Letang uh, this is a two-time all-star the anchor of, of their defensive unit um, and he is out for the entire postseason after having surgery to repair a herniated disc so that's a big blow for a Pittsburgh Penguins team that already was in the middle of the pack in terms of goals uh, against uh, losing their, their defensive anchor uh, in, in that back line certainly is not going to help them. So I think that is a key advantage for, for the Blue Jackets, something that they could take advantage of, especially early on in, in the series when, you know, you're losing that anchor. He, he uh, just recently, you haven't had time to adapt from it from a Pittsburgh perspective. So uh, hopefully the Columbus can come out swinging and take advantage of the series and take home ice early on as as the Penguins try to adapt to that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Pittsburgh. I mean, it's not just playoff experience. They are the defending Stanley Cup champions. All right, This isn't some chump first-round team Columbus gets to draw as their reward for winning, you know, earning 108 points and finishing third in the Eastern Conference. They get to draw this defending Stanley Cup champions who have a higher point total than them. So, you know, yeah, obviously I have a bit of a problem with the way the Stanley Cup seeds its teams. Uh, you know, I get why they do it. They want to get those division matchups and rivalries early on. But, man, Bob, I mean, isn't, isn't this such a disservice to Washington, who had the most points, and now you got to face either the number two or number three overall seed in the second round as opposed to possibly the conference finals. Like, but don't you think this is a little bit of a funk? The, the format's a little too funky. I do. It, it, I, I'm, he- you know, I was, I was hesitant to criticize it previously just cause it, it is just foreign to me. And I, I wonder if I'm just, I don't, I didn't like it because it was foreign, but the more I think about it and I, as we do, drilled into this, 
uh, first round match of the of the Penguins versus the Blue Jackets. It, it really does not make sense to me. I, I I understand rewarding the division winner for for sure. Uh, you know there should be some prize for 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 winning the division, but uh, it seems like the the second and third seeds uh, in each division are are being punished. So I I don't understand the rationale. I, I do hope they fix it. Maybe this series. Um, particularly if the Blue Jackets upset the Penguins, because I don't, you know, Sidney Crosby in the postseason with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, especially for a second-round matchup against the Capitals and Ovechkin, that's what the NHL would clearly want for, for ratings. Um, maybe this will be the catalyst for, for some change in the postseason. Well, well, the thing is, though, Bob, they changed to this format in an effort to push those divisional matchups a little more to kind of make them more of a sure thing. And so I think if the Penguins and the Capitals meet in the second round, it'll only cause this thing to continue because they met in the second round last year. They're trying to force more of those matchups. Instead of having to win two series for Crosby Ovechkin, you only have to win one. Uh, so so I, I don't know if that's going to solve the problem. My, my biggest issue here is, Bob, You've got the four, five, six, and seven overall seeds in the Eastern Conference on one half of the bracket. The New York Rangers were rewarded for finishing fourth in their division because they got to go on the other side of the bracket and avoid the Capitals, Penguins, and Blue Jackets. I think that is utterly ridiculous. If anyone should be rewarded, it's the Capitals. They should get the Maple Leafs and be on the other side of the bracket from the Penguins and the Blue Jackets. I mean, that's ridiculous that the fourth team in the division gets to essentially have a much easier path to the conference final than the team that won 118 points and was overwhelmingly the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think that that is a disservice to the Washington Capitals. Not much of a reward for finishing first in their division. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's kind of where you make your point for sure. Um, well, you know, we, we talked about the Capitals being the, the best team in, in the conference, probably the best team in, in the league this season in terms of their regular season. I mean, should the Blue Jackets advance out of that first round and assuming that, that the Blue Jackets take care of business uh, in the first round against the Maple Leafs, what kind of chance do you give the Blue Jackets against them? Do you think that's a sure thing for the, the, the Capitals to advance or do you think the Blue Jackets stand at much of a chance? Well, the the Washington Capitals are an interesting team. They've had arguably the best player in the NHL for a very long time now, Alexander Ovechkin, yet they've never been to a conference final with him on their team. The last conference final they went to was when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals back in 1998. So uh, I do think Washington has a lot to prove in the postseason. They, they have not had a lot of postseason success. Uh, yes, by the numbers, 118 points, dominant. Maybe this time is different. But uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if they had another kind of shocking upset in the postseason like they've had during this sort of era of Ovechkin. So, yes, I think Washington's susceptible to an upset because they've, they've been upset a lot over the last you know 10 to 12. This isn't a recent trend. This is about 10 to 12 years of just playoff disappointments for them. So they do have a lot to prove. I actually think the Penguins are the favorite to come out of this quadrant despite the talent of Columbus and Washington. Uh, I think the Penguins, with their playoff experience, with their depth, their goalkeeping, uh, it, it would surprise me if they didn't reach the conference final. But I'm going to make a hopeful pick here, Bob, and say the Blue Jackets pulled the upset in six games. You know, I, I am, again, hockey isn't my forte, but I, I think the Blue Jackets have a strong 
case to, to, to advance and move past the Penguins. Um, just from from that, that injury to Latang and um, j- just from the, the possible wear and tear of trying to, to repeat uh, as the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't think that's been done since the late 90s when the Red Wings did it. Um, so I, I think the Blue Jackets have a chance. Um, I do think either of these teams, uh, when they go up against the Capitals, they're going to run to a buzzsaw. Um, but by just about any metric, the Capitals are uh, the best in the league. They're tied with Columbus in terms of team save percentage. Uh, they're first in the league in terms of goals against per game, third in the league for goals for per game. That's That gives them a, a massive goal differential that uh, nobody is even close uh, in second place for that. Um, so I, I do think that they are the favorites. I, I think that they are going to kind of get over that hump and uh, put those postseason woes behind them. Uh, if they're going to do it any year, this is the year to do it because they are a stacked team this year. It's not just Ovechkin now. They have a, a quality goalkeeper and a quality defense. Uh, I, I think they are going to do it. So realistic expectations for Columbus would be to win in the first round and then play well against Washington. In, in your mind, you, you, don't, you don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets will get to the conference final? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh not not for any lack of talent that they have it just seems to be that they uh they they got an unfortunate draw and they are going to go up against the capitals in the second round should they advance that first round i I don't see them getting any farther past that and i think you know it has been such a drought such a long time that if they win against the defending champs in the playoffs uh, i think that would be a a great success to build off of uh, for the next couple years and certainly, you know, tip your hat to Columbus because they've got a young team. You know, let's not forget the Cleveland Monsters now won the Calder Cup last year. That is the feeder system into Columbus. So a lot of these stars that played well in the AHL for Cleveland, they're bubbling up into Columbus. I think it's awesome to see the minor league team in Cleveland win the Calder Cup and then that success the very next year sort of transfers into Columbus. Uh, so so not only is Columbus having a good year this year, but they have a lot of talent bubbling up from the minors. They have a strong head coach, an excellent goalkeeper. Uh, certainly, it, it certainly looks like the future is bright for the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is uh, it's very fortunate to see because I, I, I think it's great that, that the region finally has a good hockey team that it can get its arms around. And, and, I, th- and I love the fact that, that all the, the – young players for Columbus will play in Cleveland first so the Cleveland area will get to know them much in the way that the Columbus area gets to know the um, Cleveland Indians prospects before they come up to the to the tribe yeah definitely I mean a kid like Zach Rorensky the defenseman 19 years old he was on that Monsters team last year you know he's already uh, sixth in terms of points uh, on the team so so certainly they have a pipeline that's been established uh, to supplement guys like Bobrovsky who, who are in their prime um, it, it is an exciting time. Hopefully they can build off of this and uh, sustain this for, for a couple of years for, for multiple postseason runs and uh, you know deeper postseason runs in the future. So you, just for the record, I picked Columbus to beat Pittsburgh. You are also picking Columbus to beat Pittsburgh? Yes. All yeah, right. I, I think they'll do that. But you think they'll lose to Washington? I do. All right, I got to go different on you somewhere. I'm going to call the shot. Washington's playoff woes continue and Columbus will make a magical run to the Eastern Conference Finals there we go said it right here hey I mean 
they they've had the season to justify that. It's not like this is an underdog. It's just like we said, they 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 drew the the two teams that are better than them in the conference. So that's not beyond the realm of possibility. It's just that those first two rounds are going to be especially grueling. Um, that would be fantastic, and that would be uh, certainly a shocker. I don't think many people get, have them advancing that first round. Certainly don't have them uh, pulling off two upsets in a row. And and, and it's a shame that. There's no possible way for two of these teams to meet, reach the conference finals. That that's the true travesty here. I mean, we've said it a lot, but Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus should not be jammed into a second round draw. One of these teams should have gotten on the other half of the bracket. Washington should have gotten on the other half of the bracket and had an easier time as a reward for winning the league by seven points and, and just being so dominant. I mean, they finished ten points ahead of Columbus, and Columbus had 108. I mean, that that that's an impressive season. And you shouldn't be jammed into a second-round draw with these teams. Definitely agree on that. Um, we, we've talked a lot about the Eastern Conference. What about the Western Conference? Who do you think can can make a run over there? Well, we got an interesting first-round matchup for you, Bob. I mean, your Nashville Predators taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I, I know Minnesota's had a good year. Remember when she, you know Columbus and Minnesota actually met? They were both on like double-digit win streaks back in January. Um, so that could be an interesting second round if Colo- if Chicago and Minnesota meet. It is so hard for me to pick against the Chicago Blackhawks. They have won three Stanley Cups this decade. They are the gold standard in the NHL. Uh, to me, I know that's picking kind of chalk, but you know what? They They have the championships. They have the talent. I think they will ultimately come out of the Western Conference. I think so too. Uh, they just seem poised for, for another deep run and, and that western conference doesn't seem to have as much resistance uh, uh as that eastern conference I, I think it's chicago's to to lose uh certainly uh not that's not to say there there aren't exciting uh teams that are also in the field you know the edmonton oilers connor mcdavid is a 20 year old that might be mvp he's the leader in in points this year for goals and assists combined uh he was the first round pick in 2015 so that would be fun to watch and maybe he can can lead his team a, a little bit deeper uh they, they certainly had a good enough year uh, to win some games in the postseason but um yeah I'm, I'm looking at chicago i i think that they are the clear favorite to win that conference i, I do think it'll be interesting if the chicago minnesota second round matchup materializes those are the two best teams in that conference again because of the divisional format will draw in the second round that could be a conference final in the second round much in the way that if Washington wins, you probably have the Eastern Conference Finals in the second round. Um, but you're right, Edmonton with that good young talent maybe could you know could make for an interesting conference final um, if uh, Chicago and Minnesota are there as well. But Bob, again, the one thing about the NHL playoffs, once you get in, wacky things happen. I mean, home ice doesn't mean as much. It really it, teams get hot so quickly in this thing. Uh, it can be very fun to watch. So that's that's always why I'm worried about picking chalk in this thing because because upsets do happen very frequently. Very good point. Uh, NHL is certainly hard to pick uh, this, uh, especially in the first round, trying to to play out what what's going to happen all the way into the Stanley Cup. We will certainly keep you updated as the Blue Jackets uh, take on the Penguins in the first round. The NHL playoffs kick off this Wednesday. Um, hopefully they, they will, will have some good news to talk about next podcast and for a couple of podcasts as they uh, continue a deep run. Um, real quick though, we will mention, uh, and we've talked a little bit about them, uh, the 
AHL affiliate of the Columbus Blue Jackets are the Cleveland Monsters, formerly the Lake Erie Monsters, uh, AHL champions, defending champions this year. Uh, They are neck and neck with the Charlotte Checkers for that fourth and final playoff spot in the Central Division. Uh, Chris, uh, any insight on to whether or not they'll make that? Uh, no, I don't have much insight. I have not been to a Monsters game this year, unfortunately. They are very fun to go to. The two are tied in win percentage. They're neck and neck in points. Charlotte has 83, Cleveland has 84, but Cleveland's played one extra game. So th- this is about as close of a race as you're going to get. Uh, unlike the NHL, there is no wild card. It's just the top four from each division, and they're seeded one through four in each division. So, um, you know... I'm not saying Cleveland's, you know, on the wrong end of the stick or anything. It's just the way that they do it. Um, so, yeah, no, no, it's definitely going to be an interesting last week or so of the AHL season, but uh, hopefully the Cleveland Monsters can at least get in and have a shot to defend their uh, Calder Cup championship because that, that would be kind of a shame, Bob, if they didn't even make the playoffs after winning the title last year. Yeah, very, very true. Good point. Well, uh, like we said, we will definitely keep you posted on uh, all the NHL and AHL postseason happenings that are uh, going on with our Columbus Blue Jackets and Cleveland Monsters. Um, We will turn now to the Cleveland Indians, uh, six games in to the regular season, starting off hot against the Texas Rangers, three, uh, a three-game sweep to to open the season, uh, ripe with some late-game heroics from the offense, Particularly, you know, the one still fresh in my mind is Francisco Lindor's go-ahead grand slam in, in the top of the ninth uh, against the Rangers, uh, his second home run of that night. Uh, but Chris, uh, they went into Arizona and, and dropped all three of those games. The starting pitching just was not there, especially for uh, the outings of Josh Tomlin and, and Trevor Bauer. Six games in, Chris, uh, and the starting pitching is one in three and really hasn't had a quality outing except for that outing by Carrasco in the second game. And I, I would give Corey Kluber a, a quality start as well in that Sunday loss uh, against Arizona, uh, losing 3-2. Um, Chris, how surprising is the offense uh, is leading the way in, in the first week of the season, and how concerned are you for that starting pitching staff? Well, it's fantastic to see the offense put up some numbers, especially against Texas. You know, they won two of those games in clutch fashion. They go down 5-1 to one in the opener, come back with seven unanswered. You mentioned the Lindor Grand Slam, my fantasy team, so I'm very happy with that. Uh, it, you know, the Texas series was about as good of a series as you can get, and then you just flip the table in Arizona, and that was about as bad of a series as it can get. I mean, seven runs against Arizona, then 11 runs. I mean... I know Tomlin and Bauer are your four or five guys, but you got to do better than a combined 18 runs in two games. And the bats kind of went quiet against uh, the Diamondbacks as well. You know, they they were held to less than three runs twice. They only scored three in the first game. Uh, so not 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 a very inspiring series against Arizona. And yes, the pitching concerns. I know it's only one week, but but what worries me, Bob, is every time you see a staff go to the World Series, they throw a lot of innings, and that was one concern going into the season is can the pitching staff you know, shake off having that heavy workload the year before? I think that's something that any team that wins a league championship struggles with the following year. Um, I'm not necessarily pushing – first off, it's way too early to panic over anything. I'm not saying that, but – Looking at these high run totals, looking at the way the pitching has not been very locked down in the opening week, 
Definitely cause for concern. I hope that some home cooking can get them back into a groove and find themselves against the White Sox and the Tigers this week. Yeah, home opener uh, happening this week, division uh, opening series against the White Sox and then the, the Tigers, as you said. So six ga- key games against uh, key opponents in, in the division. You know, pitching takes time to, to get in the groove and ramp up. I'm not worrying too much about it. I know you're not worried. Uh, putting too much weight in, into the opening week. Um, those concerns that, that you have for the the toll that it took on that pitching staff are, are certainly valid. Though I will say, you know, uh, Carrasco and Salazar did not take part in, in any of those extra innings, so um, th- they're dealing with their own things. And Carrasco certainly, of those six starts, probably delivered the best uh, uh, of those five or, or six games. So uh, maybe there is some worth to, to what you have. But I know Corey Kluber um, is is has notoriously been a slow starter. Uh, we we his Cy Young candidacy last year was, was cemented with with a late season surge and even when he won it in 2014 uh was again with just a dominant second half so i'm not too worried about him uh, just because he is the sure thing but I, I agree with you bauer tomlin uh salazar you know we need to get some quality starts out of them and, and coming home uh, i think is a perfect recipe for that yeah and, and you raise a good point bob you know giving up three runs in texas Texas isn't exactly the easiest place to pitch. You know, it is very catered to an offense. Uh, it's an offensive ballpark. And so, you know, Kluber had a, had a pretty bad first outing by his standards. He did bounce back on Sunday. Not, I'm not very concerned about him. Carrasco did have the best start of the, of the six games overall just because it ended in a win and whatnot. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you look at Salazar, you look at Tomlin, you look at Bauer, especially Tomlin and Bauer, very concerning um, early on. But, again, it's just one game. It's baseball. You're going to have bad starts. I'm not anywhere near the panic button after six games. Okay, I mean, there's 162 of these things. You're going to have winning streaks. You're going to have losing streaks. You're going to have good starts. You're going to have bad starts. You're going to have bad games. It happens. Um, I just hope that the pitching can get a little more consistent this week because, because it is worrisome that that they've started off in a bit of a funk. Yeah, very good point. Uh, good news, though. Uh, reinforcements are on the way. Jason Kipnis is rehabbing in Akron. Chris, you actually had a chance to go check him out uh, with the Rubber Ducks. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he looked good. Everyone was excited to see Jason Kipnis down there. He struck out his first at-bat. Then he had a, had a hard line out in his second at-bat. Then his third at-bat, he came up and cranked the first pitch into the outfield. So uh, third time was the charm for him there. Uh, he DH'd on Sunday with the game I saw. Uh, tonight he will be uh, playing the field, according to reports. So so that that's good. I, I feel like if that goes well, Bob, I mean, he might he might be joining the club sometime soon. I, I don't know if there's a timetable on that, but it's certainly good to see him back on the baseball diamond uh, taking swings and, and, and hopefully uh, no setbacks in the field either. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, the offense isn't the main concern, as we said, but uh, you definitely want Jason Kipnis in your starting lineup and – uh, that's great news that he's you know on track to only miss just a, a couple of weeks of, of the opening season. That that is certainly really good news. Um, well, we didn't press the panic button for the Indians. I think I'm going to ask you the same question though for our Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I you know in in our fake headline last week, my uh, wish or my my headline was that the Cavaliers would go into Boston 
Wednesday night on national television and throttle them. And that is absolutely what they did, particularly what LeBron James did. It was a vintage night, uh, blocks, dunks. He just commanded the entire game. And they, they ran Boston out of their own arena uh, with a 114-91 to 91 win. Uh, you know, that was uh, uh, four games in a row for them. Uh, they then do a back-to-back against Atlanta. Uh, game one, Atlanta rests their starters, and the Cavs do not, but they lose 114-100. to 100. Uh, Game two, the Cavs are up 26 points in the fourth quarter, and they blow that 26-point lead. Uh, to go into overtime and eventually lose by one point to the Atlanta Hawks for the second game in a row in overtime. Again, Cavs starters playing big-time minutes. Uh, they already announced that they're resting uh, their starters uh, for the game against the Miami Heat. Uh, they're in a, a, a tie with the Boston Celtics for that number one seed. Chris, uh, how worried are you for these Cavs heading into the postseason? I, I mean, we haven't pressed the panic button all year long, but I think – uh, this this might be the time where where we are inching ever closer to pressing that button. Inching closer. The 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 second loss to Atlanta was disgusting. That they were up twenty six points. They they had a five point lead with ten seconds left. How do you lose that game? I I I, I cannot fathom how they lost that game. That that was unbelievable. That that was easily the worst loss of the season for the Cavs. I know it's worse than some of the times they've gotten blown out. That was the worst loss of the season for the Cavs against the Hawks uh, in Atlanta like that. Uh, you know what? Fine. Atlanta rests their guys, whatever. Maybe Cleveland zoned out after a big game. You can justify that a little bit. A little bit. It's still not a good loss. A little bit. Th- that loss on Sunday was inexcusable. It shouldn't have happened. I mean, it- it's unbelievable. I am not pushing the panic button. Until I see playoff calves. Because, Bob, we've seen this team do it two years in a row where they look like nothing's going to work and it might be falling apart. And then the playoffs get there and something, and, and they just turn it on. So I am going to wait until they get to the playoffs and struggle in the playoffs. If they were to struggle in the playoffs, then I'll start panicking. But I, um,. Until then, I don't care. And, Bob, there, there's a little bit of a theory out there that the Cavs are maybe conceding that number one seed to Boston so they can get into a semifinal with Toronto and have Washington and Boston duke it out on the other side of the bracket. I don't know if that's going on. I think that's giving the Cavs too much credit because I don't think teams game that way. I mean, okay, never mind. There was one year where it happened. There was one year where it happened in the Western Conference. But overall, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think the Cavs are thinking that way because I don't think that uh, they view any of these teams as, as that different than other. Though I could certainly see why they'd want to avoid Washington. Uh, yeah, I that is, that uh, that theory does comfort me as well, and I, I pondered that uh, as well. Um, the The only thing that that I think disproves that is that LeBron James played 41 minutes in one game against the Hawks and 47 minutes in the other. Uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving also played really high minutes in both those games. Uh, If you are punting, uh, you're not going to risk injury while punting those games. You are going to intentionally either put a minutes cap or just rest some of those guys. Now they're going into Miami and are resting all three of them. So clearly uh, 
they aren't trying too hard to get that number one seed. Um, but they definitely were trying to win those games against the Hawks. I mean, you you run the big three out there, you are trying to win that game. You're not trying to punt it away. Uh, I, I don't agree with that theory. I don't think that's a viable theory. Now, uh, all that being said, uh, so there's no way that they finish less than two in, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Raptors could tie them in standings, uh, but they do have the tiebreaker against them. If they do finish second with Toronto finishing third, I do think that that is a more beneficial position for them to be in than with that number one seed. I'm not worried about Boston, um, but I would rather have the Wizards and the Celtics go up against each other uh, before the Cavs have to face either one of those guys um, and give them a chance to knock each other around or knock uh, one of them out. And they would have home court against the Wizards and they would be able to go on the road against the Celtics, which they clearly were able to win in the TD Garden as they did uh, last week and Wednesday. So, yes, uh, I wanted them to win those Hawks games so badly just because I wanted them to continue that good momentum from that Celtics win. It really upset me both nights when, when they lost both those games. I really wanted to slap that panic button as I went to bed thinking about those games, but I just remember what they did against the Celtics. I remember that this is a, a, a big three, a Cavs unit, that for the past three years have been on an exhausting, draining run into deep postseason uh, basketball. I just think they're tired and have have lost the focus uh, of the regular season. Now, can they flip the switch and turn it on the postseason? Uh, That's a a gamble, but they are certainly willing to play that. And until I see them blow a series that they should not uh, lose, uh, I have to believe in them. So I still am a believer in the Cavs. I'm not panicking yet. Uh, now, you know, we, we're just a week away from the playoffs starting and a potential matchup with the Bulls or Pacers. If they struggle against those teams that, uh, in the postseason, then I'm certainly probably going to press that button. But right now I am giving them uh, just a little bit more slack and uh, we will see what what happens from here. Yeah, and let's also be fair to Cleveland. This is the Miami games, the second night of a back to back, and three out of four. They played the big three huge minutes in two out of three nights. Uh, I think that this was a plan. I, I think this was the plan. I mean, you're not going to play a back to back when you're this close to the playoffs. I don't care what seed you're going for. If you're LeBron James and you're the big three, and, the, and LeBron James has been the six straight finals, really. How do you get worked up over a regular season win or loss if you're LeBron right now? Then the there's no way seed. LeBron is thinking that this is the be-all, end-all scenario when he's been to six straight NBA finals. So I agree with you, Bob. LeBron has just done so much greatness in his career that it is, it, to, to stay focused for an 82-game regular season, it's just not going to happen. I mean, he, he is going to be like, look, man, you guys want me for the playoffs, I'll be there in the playoffs. And, and so that's why, while it's tempting to, to, to just hit that button, you got to show restraint until you see these issues manifest themselves in the playoffs. If that were to happen, then I'll start panicking. But until then, no. It's just another it's, – it's a very bad regular season loss, but it's just a regular season loss. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's not, it's not really about whether LeBron – it's more of his uh, teammates and his companions. Uh, He's dragging them along and and certainly carrying them and and 
bearing most of the weight, but um, he's good enough. He, he's the best player in the league and best player of this generation to bear that weight. Um, as good as some of the, his uh, role players are and, and the rest of the big three are, they aren't LeBron. You know, in the last five games, LeBron's averaged 31 points, 10.8 rebounds, and 8.4 assists. I don't think he's uh, collapsing under the fatigue or the slog of the regular season. It really is the rest of the guys. I mean, they, they aren't built to absorb this massive weight and pressure that that is being put upon them. Um, and I, I totally get that and understand that come the postseason, they will certainly bring out the best of them and be able to uh, perform to the best of their ability. But, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard being a teammate with LeBron James when uh, he is always chasing these historic greats and, and franchise records and, and, and NBA records and championships. It, it's hard. And I don't fault any of them for, for missing up and, and, and slipping and having poor outings and, and costing a couple games here and there. Yeah, sadly, man, we're going to have to wait until next podcast to do our playoff breakdown because the bracket isn't quite settled yet on either side. Most of the teams have clinched, but it's just a matter of where they'll go. So uh, next week we'll give the playoff primer for the NBA odyssey that is the journey to the finals. It is ridiculous how long it takes to get there, Bob. Ridiculous. Yeah, it, it certainly is uh, basically the the second uh, NBA season, so uh, – yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be a journey, and the Cavs, uh, by no means, are are going to be a quick exit. I, or at least I don't expect them to be. So uh, we, we'll definitely keep you updated. I think uh, by the time we record next week, some playoff games will be played. So uh, it won't be a, really a preview, but we'll still you know talk about these potential matchups and uh, what to expect uh, deeper into the postseason. Um, but as the NBA regular season comes to a close, there are. Uh, regular season awards to give out Uh, obviously the the big one the NBA MVP Russell Westbrook uh, clinched if you could say a a regular season uh, average of a triple double Uh, the first NBA player to do so since Oscar Robinson is averaging 31.9 points uh, 10.7 rebounds and 10.4 assists per game Uh, Chris this is a historic feat uh, but his, his Oklahoma City Thunder are not in the, the usual position where he would warrant an MVP. They're certainly going to make the playoffs, but they aren't in that top two uh, on either side. Uh, Chris, it, it, is Russell Westbrook's historic season enough to warrant breaking tradition and giving him the MVP? I think it will. I think there's a Russell Westbrook hype machine. I think a couple of things have worked in his factor. One, Kevin Durant leaving makes the Thunder a sympathetic team, and I think voters like that. Two, he's done something only one other player in the history of basketball has done. That is insane. Uh, I don't care what you think of Russell Westbrook. I'm just going to say right here, right now, not a Russell Westbrook fan. I don't think he's a top 10 NBA player. I don't think he's the kind of guy who can be your number one player and win. But I do think he will win MVP because of the season he's put together. However, this would be a serious trend that they bucked because most of the MVPs have finished at least top three in their conference. And I do think that Kawhi Leonard has a strong case for MVP but I don't think he's going to win it because no one's talking about him. I don't understand why Steph Curry isn't in the running for a third straight MVP. His team's on a 14-game win streak, and everyone buried them after Kevin Durant got hurt. 
And let's talk about LeBron James, who at 32 has improved numbers, is having one of the best seasons of his career, and is the only reason the Cavs were in the playoff contention. Uh, the, the bottom line is, Bob, I think that there are more deserving candidates out there. I didn't even mention James Harden. Uh, then Russell Westbrook, even though he's had a great statistical season, I do think Russell Westbrook sometimes plays for those statistics more so than he should. He's not a very efficient player. There are videos of him leaving his defender early to get in rebounding position, so essentially letting his guy shoot threes <laughs> to just to get the rebound. Uh, I'm not a fan of Russell Westbrook, but I do think this will be the exception. There is such a Russell Westbrook hype machine out there. The Thunder have the sympathetic story. I think people want him to win this thing, and I think he will ultimately win it. I don't agree with it. If I were voting, he would not even be on my ballot. Well, <laughs> he, you would not put a how, – how deep is your ballot? I, I don't know how deep the ballot goes, but he, he would not be on my top five. I, I, th- I would assume it goes to five. If it, if it doesn't go, if it goes beyond five, I'd have to put him on there. But he would not be in my top five. No, I would not who, put him. All on. right, so you got Harden, Leonard, LeBron, Steph. Who is your fifth guy, if not Russell Westbrook? I don't know. I just wouldn't put a it's, fifth guy. It on. has to be him. How could it not be him? Because <laughs> his team's six in the West, despite all these numbers. Because he. Uh, he's the most frustrating player in the league. I, I mean, I'm sorry. He's he's second in the league in turnovers. He shoots so many shots to get his numbers. He uh, he, he 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 infuriates me. Who he infuriates who me. who uh, who else on the Thunder do you want to shoot the ball? I mean, who is their second best player currently that that you would think should take shots away from Russell Westbrook? I have no idea. I don't know. I I think I mean but I think yes, that when they, you they, miss tons and tons of shots you probably shouldn't be shooting a ton of threes and jump shots and bad shots just to get your numbers. I think I I think it's over we're overcomplicating the issue. I mean, he has done something that only one other player has done. Yes, you can't average a triple double for an entire season without padding your stats here and there. Um that's not to say that you know he, they need that production i mean they are better when he gets a triple double uh he he i mean he has put together over the last week just highlight reel after highlight reel of you know willing his team to win uh in this past in, in this past week it's it's his to lose man and, and i understand everything that you said uh i i think it's 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 valid i just think that you know we are witnessing something that we have only seen one other time for a team that is going to make the postseason that is going to finish in the in the top six in, in the western conference the, the better conference a team that lost arguably the second or third best player in the entire league yet russell westbrook was still able to carry this team to a, a successful season and in a quality record while putting up those mam- mammoth stats i i Look, if you're not going to get a LeBron James, which I think you should, he should have. He's MVP every single year. Uh, it has to go to Russell Westbrook. I, I think it, there's no question about it. But let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, who've won 14 straight, most of which without Kevin Durant. They're going to win 66 games for the third straight year, and Steph Curry is the unquestioned best player on that team. Why can't he win it for a third straight year? 
Let's talk about the Spurs, who Kevin, have 61 wins with Kawhi Leonard, who could win his third straight defensive player of the year, plays 100 times better defense than Russell Westbrook, is asked to guard a variety of different best players. Why, why isn't he the MVP? Kawhi Leonard is having a better season than Russell Westbrook. I don't care if Russell Westbrook has a triple-double, in my opinion. Kawhi Leonard is the guy I would vote for MVP. Or LeBron James. I think those are the two best players. They've had the two best seasons this year. That, I mean, that's my point. It's like yep. you say this having this great season. They're sixth in the West. In any other sport, they don't even make the playoffs because the NBA takes more than half the teams in the playoffs. They're not having a great season. He's just patting a bunch of stats. I don't yes, think he, he should. <laughs> yes, see, how are you going to say he's not having a great season? Because his team's 36 and 34. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Because there are other teams that have won 60-plus games with players having better seasons, more efficient seasons, and actually play defense. And they're on better teams as well. I mean, Steph Curry has Kevin Durant on the team. How can you give the him the last 14 games. Yes, but okay, for the other 70 games, he has been on that roster and has been on the court. I mean, how can you – you can't validate giving the MVP to Steph Curry when he has a, a top-five player – playing small forward for him. I mean, so, that, that does not make sense. So the last two years, his MVPs weren't valid because he was playing with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson? Both of whom are not Kevin Durant. Okay, I agree with you there. Kevin Durant's better than both of them. But talk about Kawhi Leonard. I mean, yeah, he's got LaMarcus Aldridge, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think Kawhi Leonard's the unquestioned best player on the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I love Kawhi Leonard. And like I said, I want I think LeBron James is the MVP every single year. Kawhi Leonard is on a much better team than than Russell Westbrook is, and Westbrook has put up these um, unprecedented numbers for a playoff team. And, and I, I I think the history and yes, there there is hype. You need hype to win the MVP. You can't be a, a quiet. You can't just go about your business and, and play great defense and, and put up twenty points a game and expect to win MVP when you're going up against a guy who's scoring 30 and also averaging a triple-double. Uh, Westbrook, he he has put together the campaign to, to win the MVP. I, I think there's no question about it. And I don't think that – I mean, yes, there are better players in the league, uh, people that probably bring more worth to their team, uh, but it, it, it it's his to lose, man. I, I, I think there's no question about it. And I don't, I don't think it's a, a shameful thing or, or an unfortunate thing. I think he has absolutely deserved it. He would be the worst MVP in the history of the league if he wins it because he, I, I can't stand him for one. And two, it is a shame that Kawhi Leonard, with his 27.71 PER, better defense by a million miles than Russell Westbrook, is not going to win this award. And you want to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge being on the team? His PER is about 10 points lower than Leonard. He's having one of the worst seasons of his career. Kawhi Leonard is the San Antonio Spurs right now. Don't throw at me Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol. Those are long in the tooth, name only. The San Antonio Spurs would be a 40-win team if Kawhi Leonard wasn't on it. He is easily the MVP this year, and it is a travesty that Russell Westbrook is going to win this award just because he stuffs his stat every single night and just because he's on a garbage Thunder team that has no business being in the playoffs. The only reason they're there is because the NBA playoffs are the most watered-down tournament in all sports. Don't tell me what a great season the Thunder's having. Don't tell me how great Russell Westbrook is. Kawhi Leonard 
would it, it, it is such a shame that this guy is going to win MVP and it infuriates me. I cannot stand the fact that Russell Westbrook will be the MVP. I, I am embracing it. I know it's going to happen, but I would not even vote for him. You know, Russ has a 30.8 PER this season, right? I don't care. Kawhi Leonard is a thousand times better than Russell Westbrook will ever be. Is, okay. That's so, okay. That's such an exaggeration. That's not that I, okay that's that's good that's a good end to that debate russell westbrook will be the mvp as uh we both agree that that is going to happen whether or not it's deserving we, we certainly do not um all right what is your fake headline well i no, i i i could troll you with another fake headline but the mvp won't be announced for another month but my fake headline this week is no snow in cleveland please Won six home games here we got a Saturday game. Bob, you haven't seen the corner yet. We want some good weather so we can get baseball up in Cleveland because it's tribe time now. I am super pumped for the Indians to come home and hopefully have some really strong attendance to start this year. I like that one. Uh, I, I was thinking baseball uh, as well and, and hoping for a sweep against the White Sox. The White Sox are not a good team this year. Uh, they have no business uh, beaten the Indians, even if it is in April. I, I hope for a sweep to to right the shit. Great, man. We're both on the same page with the baseball here, man. We're not on the same page with the basketball. We're on the same page with the baseball. That's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not debating. We we both like the Indians. Certainly, certainly. I will make one final point. Not to not to drudge up the Russell Westbrook thing again, because that thing's gone. But Anthony Davis had a phenomenal year a couple years back. Should have won MVP and didn't. That's my only hope is that the voters will hold his record against him. I I just I hope it happens. Well, I think Russell Westbrook's season is a little bit better and uh, is a little bit more uh, tangible and historic than what Anthony Davis did. I, I advocate for him winning MVP as well. Uh, but I, I again, uh, Westbrook is is going to be the MVP. Unfortunately, but. This is a Klee Talk podcast. We're not going to get too... We, we got caught up with the Russell Westbrook thing a little bit, but next week we will be back. We're going to have more basketball talk. We'll check in on how the Thunder and the Cavs and all the other teams are doing. They will have each played one game by the time we get to recording our NBA playoff primer, but that's still not... I mean, we'll still be able to make some good picks there. Have it all breaking down for you, and hopefully the Cavs will have proven us right for not hitting that panic button and and come out looking very strong in that game one whoever it may be against but until then you can follow us on twitter at family road sports or instagram at family road sports please subscribe to our podcast on itunes just search family road sports and hit cletalk or come to fenleyroadsports.com and click any one of those icons in the upper right hand corner to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or follow us on social media. It's just that simple at FenleyRoadSports.com, home of the Clee Talk podcast, where every week we're talking Cleveland sports with you and some other news as well. well. We will be back next week with our NBA playoff primer and more Cleveland sports talk. We'll check in on the Blue Jackets, and it'll be awesome. But until then, go Tribe, go Cavs, and go Blue Jackets. Bring it home. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Take it easy, Bob.